Hello, it's your friendly neighborhood host, J.T. Wheatley, back again for another episode of the History Comics Podcast, this time with the history of all Negro comics, the first black comic by black comic book creators. While black creators did make inroads in the comic books during the Golden Age, it was for white-owned books that featured stories starring white characters. While there was nothing wrong with this, as today's creators of all races write and draw stories featuring all races, as well as they are able to, the predominance of the white media was a problem at the time. However, one innovator wanted to change that, creating a comic book that not only starred black characters, but was made by black creators. His name was Oren Cromwell Evans, and in the comic he would create was, was the history-making all-Negro comics. Oren Cromwell Evans was born on September 5, 1902 in Steeltown, Pennsylvania to George and Maude Evans. His father was a butler while his mother was a music teacher, a rare position for a woman, let alone a black one, to have at the time. However, Oren Evans would witness contrasting racism in the early age as his father, George, was light-skinned enough to pass for white, but his mother was dark-skinned, thus sometimes having to pretend to be the family's maid when strangers visit their house. By 1920, the Evans family had moved to Philadelphia, where George now owned a garage, and Oren attended West Philadelphia High School. By the time he was 17, Oren Evans had a job at the local sports publication. Upon graduation from high school, he would attend the Drexel Institute in Philadelphia. That led to him getting jobs at the local black newspapers, such as the Philadelphia Tribune, Philadelphia Independent, and Philadelphia Afro-American. However, he would break ground with his next job as Evans was hired on as a reporter for at the Philadelphia Record, one of the few black employees at the paper, and as a reporter would become the first black writer to cover general assignments at a white-owned newspaper. There, Evans covered black interest stories in 1944, a notable one being conditions for, for black soldiers who were stationed in the South, specifically the difficulties they faced getting transportation to their post. The expose was so embarrassing the U.S. government that then-President Harry S. Truman ordered the War Department to rectify the situation. Herman P. Eberhardt, a U.S. representative from Pennsylvania, would enter Evans's articles in the congressional record, and Evans would even be a runner-up for the prestigious Haywood Braun Award from the American Newspaper Guild. Despite this success, Evans would face discrimination and death threats due to his race, and was even removed from a Charles Lindbergh press conference because he was black. Nevertheless, Evans continued to find success as a reporter and even provided stories for the Chicago Defender, the Philadelphia Independent, and the Crisis, the Journal of the NAACP, while still working at the record. Unfortunately, the Philadelphia record came to an end on February 1st, 1947, when the American Newspaper Guild struck against the paper, and its owner, J. David Stern, couldn't give in to their demands and keep the paper solvent. This, thus, he declared bankruptcy and sold the record's assets to the Philadelphia Bulletin. When the, with, the Phil, with the Philadelphia record gone, Evans decided to sell the record associates, partnering with former record editor Harry Tay Saylor, sports editor Bill Driscoll, along with advertising men Joe McGoldrick and Maury Mustin. Evans set himself as his, as his vice president with the stated goal of providing writing, editing, publicity, advertising, and publishing services to their clients. One of his first actions was to act as a holding company for All Negro Comics Incorporated, a newly created firm by Evans to produce a black comics in the hopes of promoting racial equality. All he had to do now was to assemble his staff, and Evans started out looking no further than his own family. Oren had a younger brother, eight years uh, his junior, George, junior, George J. Evans Jr., who originally took a different path than Oren, spending a year in college before taking a job in the hotel and restaurant management. He enlisted in the Army on August 9, 1943, and would later attend the Philadelphia Museum Art School with the intention of entering into the commercial art field. 
It was at this school that much of the staff for All Negro Comics was also found. Orrin Evans acquired an office space at 1318 Spruce Street, which was just down the road from the Museum Art School, and next hired William H. Smith from Baltimore. Smith had previously placed the first in an art competition at the New York World's Fair with illustrations in the Baltimore Afro-American. He attended the Philadelphia Academy of Fine Arts on a scholarship, but left when the dean asked him over animosity between blacks and whites. Smith would then attend the Museum of Art School instead. Another student at the art school was Leonard Cooper, who attended before serving in the Army at Fort Ord in Salinas, California. He would compete in several art contests before returning to Philadelphia and getting back into school. The last artist Evans hired was John H. Terrell, who was from Williamsport, Pennsylvania. He was on staff at a local paper, but quit in 1934 to become a freelance cartoonist. His first job was Judge, a national human rights magazine. In 1940, he created Adventures of Tiger Rag for the New York Amsterdam News, but only ran for a few months. For more stable work, Terrell went to work at the Philadelphia Naval Yard, starting out as a laborer and then a safety officer, where he actually was able to put his cartooning skills to work. There, he created Paul N. Yankee, Dora Droop, Yappy, and Lester Lukewarm, which was used by the Navy Department Safety Office in its nationally syndicated safety review and safety bulletin for the U.S. Compensation Commission. Terrell also provided posters to help sell U.S. war bonds. He would later attend the School of Industrial Art as part of the Museum Art School. With his crew assembled, Orrin Evans planned to make all Negro comics the first comic created entirely by black creators, though it wouldn't be the first one aimed at a black audience. That distinction would fall to a comic book that beat them by just a few months and by someone who was originally opposed to the medium altogether. George J. Heck was the first publisher of Parents Magazine and the head of the Parents Institute, originally believing that comic books were a threat to children's character development. However, once he saw that they weren't going away, he decided instead to create a good comics to counter the bad influences of bad ones. Thus, Heck and the Parents Institute published a series like True Comics, Real Heroes, and True Aviation. He next tried to get Extra, a book aimed at Black Readers in 1947, as a promotional comic published, believing that comic books was an ideal way to reach black readers. In Heck's own pitch, he even stated that many of them don't read so well. Though insulting, Heck's attempt was well-intentioned, believing blacks would benefit from reading about black heroes, thus he was able to team with the National Urban League to publish Negro Heroes, number one, on February 4th, 1947. The comic features stories and subjects like Matthew Henson, the, the black polar explorer who accompanied Roger Perry in the early 1900s to reach the North Pole, and even claimed he was the first to actually set foot there. However, Negro Heroes was mostly reprints from Parents Magazine Press comics, except for two, a two-page original story, Sacrifice at Sea. The second issue of Negro Heroes was in the next year, on June of 1948, with 300,000 issues in printing. Once again, backed by the National Urban League and also Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, which was founded by Howard on Howard University in 1913 to promote the public service activities. The comic features stories on Sadie Tanner Mosel, who founded the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, legendary baseball player Jackie Robinson, Russian poet Alexander Pushkin, and Frank Sugarchill Robinson, a child prodigy pianist. It is unknown how well this issue sold, but it would be its last, though it deserves recognition as the first comic book aimed at black readers. However, all Negro comics would go a step further in that it was a black comic by black readers. All Negro Comics would launch on J- J- July 18th, though it would be copyrighted on July 15th of 1947. 
with Josh Terrell drawing the cover. It began with a one-page introductory editorial, All Negro Comics, providing another first in Negro history. At 52 pages, it was featured uh, Ace Harlem, a detective story by Taro and, and Little Eggie, a humor page about the henpick Egbert and his wife. Taro also probably was the illustrator for a two-page adventure story, Ezekiel's Manhunt. Leonard Cooper did the Little Dude Dailies, a tale of black fairies, and Hep Chicks on Parade, which is your four individual cartoons of stylish black women, which he signed as Lynn. William Smith did Sugarfoot, a humor strip about traveling musicians Sugarfoot and Snake Oil, who tried to rule Farmer's daughter. Smith signed this feature as Cravat. George Evans did The Lion Man and Bubba, about a college-educated black man sent to the United Nations to investigate a uranium deposit in the Gold Coast of Africa. There he adopts a mischievous orphan and engages in numerous adventures, often dressed in the cliched leopard costume or loincloth. However, in a nice distinction from other jungle heroes like Tarzan, Lion Man was an actual black hero in Africa. The book was praised by Eleanor Roosevelt, though received some mixed reaction in the media, with more than a few at least acknowledging the significance of the comic. Sadly, there was no second issue of all Negro comics, despite material being produced for it. Reportedly, Evans wasn't unable to procure the paper to have it printed. As a result, all the creators went their separate ways, many becoming successful commercial artists and painters. Oren went to work for the Chester Times of Pennsylvania until 1962, when he started working at the Philadelphia Bulletin until his death. Edwards would continue to his civil rights work through reporting and was a regular fixture at the NAACP and Urban League meetings as a result. An innovative publisher and legendary newsman, Evans died on August 6, 1971 from a burst blood vessel. Shortly before his death, Evans was honored by the NAACP at their convention in Minneapolis with a scholarship in his name. In 2011, Evans was supposed to ominously honored with the East Coast Black Age of Comics Convention, ECBACC, Pioneer Lifetime Achievement Award for the creation of all Negro comics. In 2014, Evans was elected to the Will Eisner Hall of Fame for his work as president of All Negro Comics. Sadly, while All Negro's comics only lasted one issue, its place in history was assured with just that, being the first comic produced by black creators and paving the way for all to follow. By that alone, it's a landmark by any measure. I would like to thank the Chief Sorceress episode, Invisible Men, the trailblazing black artist of comic books by Ken Quattro, which has a great history of all Negro comics, a must-read for any comic book fan. Changing up our presentation while keeping the candidness that you enjoy. We'll cover all your favorite shows and movies with maybe a few surprises along the way. And you, yes you, will have opportunities to be on our show on a regular basis. That's right, you've got the Zoom Pro account and we're going to use it. So be ready. Find us at nerdblisspodcast.com and esonetwork.com. And on all the socials at NerdblissPod. Nerdbliss, listen up. And now it is February uh, 22nd, uh, 2024. Time for the favorite comic of the week. Ultimate Spider-Man number two by Jonathan Hickman and Marco DiCicchetto, which uh, finds uh, the middle-aged Peter Parker in this universe, who is now, who has uh, had a, basically a normal life at this point, uh, married to MJ with uh, two kids, 
but when it was revealed with the last issue that he actually was destined to become Spider-Man Peter Parker, he decides to step into the mantle and, well, doesn't quite do as well as uh, he hopes. And a very hilarious twist as he actually runs up into a classic villain of his, while at the same time dealing with his family life at home as his new status as a superhero starts to change. Hickman does a great job just showing, one, how, in a way, even though he's an older, more mature Peter Parker, he's still new of being a superhero, and it, it done to a hilarious effect. Let's just say uh, he doesn't quite get how to fight a supervillain, because Peter is already a nice guy, and, well, villain's not so nice. Uh, I love the family dynamic. You can tell he does have a great home life with uh, MJ and the kids, and there is a nice reveal midway through as his secret identity starts to be... Someone else just discovers his secret identity in a great reveal and very heartwarming. And of course, the larger universe is very well fleshed out as well. You see where uh, Wilson Fisk has a boss of his own. And meanwhile, uh, J. Joe Jameson and Ben Parker are working to start their own newspaper coming to be a rival to the Daily Bugle. And one of their focus is going to be this new Spider-Man running around, which is very cool. And it's matched by Chiquetta's gorgeous art, which does a great job of showing off uh, both, like I said, the more mundane uh, family aspects, but also the great action with uh, Peter swinging through the uh, city for the first time and showing off his powers. And this, this, this book is everything I wish Amazing was right now. It's a, It balances the personal life of Peter Parker. He's not a complete imbecile, but, you know, he, he's got that classic Parker luck where it's like he's a bit of a screw-up and then something bad happens, but he's still doing his best. And yeah, but the humor and so forth, and this the heartwarming. This is everything you wish Amazing was, and hence why a lot of people are buying this over Amazing Spider-Man now because it's just that good. Highly recommending. Definitely keep picking it up. And with that, we'll conclude with this uh, this episode uh, this week. Join me again next week for probably one more uh, in light of a Black History Month uh, history of the uh, Black comic books. And until then, go out and enjoy yourself a good comic book and definitely pick up Ultimate Spider-Man right now. It's as good as Spider-Man has been in years. <laughs>